Give me Ishikov. He just got selected to the All-Star game. He looks cute and fancy. Welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. I am David Tuckman. Alongside me, in the metaphorical sense, as he is in Toronto, I am in the Southern California, is the one and only Phil Farber. You can follow us on Twitter or X, uh, at Tuck on Sports at Phil's Facts. Last week, we talked, Phil, and I said that, I'm getting mildly concerned. I think I'm at DEFCON 3. Well, I'm now at DEFCON 2. Tell me why I shouldn't be concerned, Mr. Farber. You should be concerned. You should be be very concerned after seeing those lines today, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And this is uh, this is being recorded at what? 1043 in the morning on the on the West Coast. So a mere what? Five and a half hours. Let's give that to them in English. It's 143 p.m. All right. Eastern Standard <laughs> Time is what we go with over here. None of this West Coast nonsense where you guys watch hockey games at four o'clock in the afternoon. It's a beautiful thing. I can watch a hockey game, then I can watch another game, and then I can still go to bed at a reasonable hour. Anyway. Yeah, uh, but you know what? If I were an Islander fan living on the West Coast, just given my I guess my working hours would be different. I work for an Eastern you know, an East Coast company. So I guess my work day would be over at two. Yeah, I guess I could get used to it. You that, could make you know? this work. I'm telling you. Listen, football. Although on with su- the kids and dinner time, you know, then it's kind of like football on Sundays. Into... You wake up and football's already on. That's true, right? Especially when they have the games in Europe. So if you wake up, if you're a real early bird and you get up at 6 a.m., you're able to watch football from like what, 6 listen, up until 7 p.m. Right? I used to, listen, I dated a girl for a, a good two months longer than I probably wanted to simply because every Sunday morning she would wake me up with eggs and bacon and football was on. I mean, think about the dream, the world. We're no longer together, by the way. Uh, Anyway, so DEFCON 2 is where I'm at. Uh, We are coming off now. I want to say, is it four out of the last seven games have been regulation losses? Rob Taub, by the way, was all about on Twitter, hey, this team still doesn't lose in regulation, still doesn't lose in regulation. Since he fucking tweeted that, all we do is lose in regulation. Well, I mean, you were always going to get to a point in the season where you were going to be slumping, right? And I think we've kind of, we were running relatively hot in terms of just point accumulation, right? They had accumulated points in 21 of 23 games or 21 of 24 games or something like that. They had the highest points percentage from Thanksgiving up until about a week or two ago. And then you kind of hit this mini rut. The scoring has slowed down. Uh, the defensive deficiencies are still there. On the bright side, we got Pellick back. He did look awful in his first game, so we'll give him a one-game pass and hope he looks better tonight. But having Pellick back should help. But there are some things that are there are some issues that are glaring, and uh, let's let's get into those. Yeah, I mean, I, I will point out it's, it's interesting because you always kind of look at you know when you're running hot, when you're not running hot. I mean, I still maintain the Vancouver Canucks. I don't want to say they're frauds because they have a legit talent. They've got a lot of talent on that team, but there's no way that four of their top like six forwards are going to continue shooting at 24 percent or higher. At some point, they will cool off. And, and and to that point, I mean, you look at the Carolina Hurricane game, which we won five four. If their goaltending is not horrific. We are possibly looking at another loss in this in this in this stretch, and that's kind of what happened to me. I mean, I feel like the Philly game we lost three one. We got goalied. Um, I mean, even the Golden Knights game, which ended up getting away from us early on, the Islanders looked great, and it was Logan Thompson who kind of kept that game close. Um, there, there's a scenario where Logan Thompson doesn't play so well, and a couple of those pucks go in, and, and the Islanders are actually either win that game in regulation or certainly keep the game a lot closer. I didn't mind the Vegas game at all. I thought the Vegas game was, I was ready to chalk it up to unlucky up until the point where some of these goals that were scored were just on ridiculous defensive breakdowns. The second one, Bolduc behind the net, completely lost, uh, didn't take his man, got Mayfield stranded on an island there, and then he's not able to block the pass. Goal number three, Aho drops his stick. All of a sudden, you have a fire drill in your own zone. It's a miscommunication. Sorokin is down on his knees, leaning into a player's 
ass for some reason. I didn't understand his positioning on that one. Goal number four. I mean, I mean, listen, we've all had our Eichel we've all had our ass munching phase, right? I mean, that was it. Right. I don't. I don't know what that was. Right. And, and by the way, I, and by the way, and Lane calling and Lane like trying to get a goalie interference on that. I'm like, that's what are you? And I, I know Butch and Brendan were being really polite. I was watching that broadcast, and they were being, oh, this is a good one because you can't go down here. You don't want to go down another goal. You've, you've got to try it. It's fifty fifty. 50-50, it's 95-5. Like, that was just a – I don't know what they were thinking in that particular spot. Um, yeah, because I'm I, watching I it going, in what realm is that goalie interference? It, like, the heel he of his skate the, was there? I think he probably watched the Pittsburgh game earlier in the night and saw the Gensel goalie interference and thought, like, hey, this looks similar enough to that one where maybe they'll call it off. I mean, I, I, I know goalie like interference. Goalie interference is contact. so vague. It's so vague these days. But that just, it just didn't, I mean, from an Islanders fan, I'm going, this is never getting overturned. Yeah. And then, again, Eichel's a great shooter, but I think you want an unscreened shot from that location stop by your goalie with 10 seconds left on the power play. And we get a goal back, make it 4-2 with plenty of time. And we were getting chances to that point. And then just a back-breaking, horrific goal number five by Sorokin. And, and that was all she wrote there. So, in totality, I didn't think we got outplayed. We definitely belonged on the ice with them. We definitely played well with them. It's just another situation where every mistake ended up in the back of the net. I mean, my buddy was actually at the game in Vegas, and he was telling he sent me a text like, you know, first period. He's just like, "You guys are all over us. You guys are all over us." And we just couldn't put the puck in. And that's going to happen. There are going to be nights where the pucks just don't go in. And then there are nights where the pucks go in, like against the Carolina, the Carolina team. Um, and, and then we play the Canucks, and, and that was a, another situation where we just uh, – it seemed like the game was actually in hand until the Barzal penalty. And the Barzal penalty, and then just everything went off the rails. And that's the one thing with this team that always – that does concern me a lot. It seems like there's no mental fortitude with this team. If something happens, something bad happens, it's just like, oh, shit, here we go again. It's like like there's nobody, whether it's the captain, whether it's the coach, whether it's Horvat, whether it should be Barzal. I don't know who it should be, but somebody be like, okay, guys, it's that's one goal. Let's go. Because I went through the whole list of goals in the Van, and I want to go through the Vancouver game, and I've got a list of things that I want to go through, Phil, and I want to ask you about. So goal one, I, I didn't have as big a problem with the goal one. I was like, okay, we just killed a penalty. So Zekas goes down. I know some Islander fans were calling for a whistle referees don't know that is not one you whistle down no he you whistle it down if it's like a puck to the face or if a guy is just visibly bleeding out on the ice or something like that a puck to the shin or a puck to the foot they never blow that down until you get possession yeah that was never going to be blown down and, and frankly i mean uh, i mean could you say that sorokin the rebound control was a little bit off and you know maybe yes. that's a shot sorokin can should save certainly yes yes uh, but okay they get a goal it's the one goal. Yep. It's the one goal in the game where I'm like, okay, no big deal. That was a, it's after and and Zizekas is down. Fine. Goal two, and this might be the reason why Gautier is not in the lineup tonight. But something I noticed, goal two ended up being the headline of that goal is the Quinn Hughes goal where it's a breakdown. Uh, uh, Dobson is pointing that it's offsides. He stopped playing hockey. Everybody stopped playing hockey, and Quinn Hughes just walks it into the slot and takes a shot. Right. But about 20 seconds before that, if you wind back, Gautier is at the blue line with Brock Besser, I believe. And it's a one-on-one battle, and they're right at the blue line, and Gautier does not get the puck out of the zone. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. Like, dude, you're six foot three, 220 pounds. Get the puck out of the zone. And that's kind of what I always get to. I know, I know some people love Gautier, some people don't. I, I, I think he's better than a lot of what we have, and I do think he should be starting on a nightly basis. But that's the kind of inconsistency that I see sometimes where I'm going, man, like that puck doesn't get out of the zone. And then 30 seconds later, it's in the back of our net. I mean, there was a lot wrong with that play. Pajot kind of out in left field doing nothing. Dobson planting himself perfectly in front of Sorokin to take away his eyes for no particular reason. A couple guys making weak attempts to swap the puck away from Hughes. Never should have happened. That goal never should have happened there. Never. But again, you're down to nothing, plenty of hockey to go. But, like, but that but that goal, it all starts, listen, there were breakdowns upon breakdowns upon breakdowns in that right. one. But it all started with your third line winger and you've got the puck right at the blue line. The puck has to get out. Agreed. The puck doesn't get out of the zone. 
the other teams get scoring chances. And that, that's one of the issues. Third goal, uh, that was Pelic. Just Pelic's rustiness, hopefully. Just loses just the fucking stick handling between P- Pedersen and Miller. Yeah, great that's gonna, that, going to work out really well. That's going to work out great. You know, why don't you uh, dust that puck off a little more while we try to skate that out of traffic? <laughs> and then goal four is just Sorokin. And, oh and, and I actually got in. I got into it. I didn't even get into it, but uh, 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 one of one uh, on Twitter, somebody was talking about. Oh, what everybody's yelling at Sorokin because he let in one one out of four bad goals. And I said, wait a second, it's an NHL goalie. It, it, one bad goal a night is too many, especially when you're going to be the high with the third highest paid goalie in the league next year. It's terrible timing. Yeah, like and in all of these losses, even right the overtime loss against Colorado, they were probably. Two or three bad goals in there, right? I didn't. I didn't love the Drew Ann goal, the McKinnon overtime goal, unscreened shot, just goes right through him. I'm just trying to think of the other ones that was in that in that game. The Nachushkin one, he just took himself out of position. He just left the net, which yeah. he's done many times because he's been somewhat erratic. It was something I brought up. I kind of feel like okay, so versus Pittsburgh. Versus, uh, I'm not going to say his name, Nedge, whatever his name is. Nedeljkovic. Um, Nedeljkovic, thank you. Um, we kind of got goal lead in that game. Yeah. And then versus the Golden Knights, I thought at least early on, Logan Thompson kind of kept them in it. And we, it, I was saying, I was like, wow, we're getting goal lead again. And I'm just wondering, I'm like, we're the team with Sorokin. When are we going right, to When are we going to goalie someone? Right. When's he going to steal one for us? I can't yeah. remember the last time. I mean, listen, he's not horrific by any stretch. No, but, but he's not stealing games. Like, I could point right. to Philadelphia, 40, 40 save shutout, shootout loss. He saved our bacon there. Yes, we got did. a point there because of him. There was a performance he had against Ottawa earlier in the season where we went to the penalty kill nine times. And I think he had like 42 saves on 44 shots or something like that. That was a really good one. But those types of performances, which were happening regularly last year, are few and far in between. He has allowed four-plus goals. In 15 of his 28 games. Is this his fault or is he tired? At the end of last season, when we were making our stretch run to make the playoffs, it was very clear Lane, we needed to win almost every single game, obviously, just to get in there barely. And Lane rode Sorokin and rode Sorokin. And who knows if this is the reason or not. Sorokin would never admit it. He's a pro. But he looked tired in the playoffs and he wasn't himself. Uh, despite the fact that we had Varley uh, as more than a capable backup, we just never used him. Now uh, Varley is hurt, and Sorokin is just being ridden again and again and again. I'm wondering, the inconsistent performances by Sorokin right now, is he just being overused? Probably. I mean, he's about to make his... I know Stefan said it's going to be his fourth or fifth straight start, but that's a little bit misleading because he played... 50 minutes of that Colorado game or 45 minutes of that Colorado game. So that was effectively a start. He took over for Verla- for Verlamov when the game was 1-1 late in the first period. So in reality, this is going to be like his ninth or 10th straight start in a row. I imagine they're going to get Appleby in at some point because they've got a back-to-back next week with Minnesota and Winnipeg. You're going to have to play him, right? If Varlamov is on injured reserve and hasn't even started skating yet, the odds of Varlamov playing before the All-Star break, which they've got, I think, nine more games, including tonight, are slim to none. At the very least, in a game against Vegas where you're down 5-2, pull the goalie. Let's see what Appleby's got. In a game against Vancouver, you're down three goals. Pull the goalie. Let's see what Appleby's got. I, I just don't understand. If if you're not going to use this goaltender, um, then, then the GM obviously needs to make a trade. But... We don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, but so long as he's the guy who's on the roster, you got you to gotta utilize him. Well, and there's a question I, I have from a philosophical standpoint, and maybe this is just something that some coaches do, and I, I've never been privy to it. I, I don't think so. Sometimes when you're down 3 nothing, 4 nothing, something like that, it's not really a matter of I'm pulling the goalie to punish them because they're playing bad. Sometimes I'm pulling the goalie to send a message to the team. You're not right. supporting the goalie. You're not giving them a chance. So you know what? I'm going to give him a break. And sometimes that message is enough to kind of get the team going. Sometimes that's the jolt that is needed to get the team going. And yet it seems like Lane is really, really hesitant to ever pull that trigger and ever pull his goalie in any, in any instance. Now, you could argue that in these games that are, you know, when it's 4-1, at 4-1, 
why Sorokin wasn't pulled for at minimum just to give him a break, right? Yeah, he probably has a bit of PTSD from what happened with Varley a couple weeks ago when he pulled Sorokin and then Varley tweaked something. So maybe it's just I'm not going to send in a cold goaltender again into one of these games where they can— What, I'm worried about Appleby getting hurt? Maybe. But <laughs> which is funny because he never uses Appleby anyways. Right. But he's, he's going to have to. They are going to have to play Ken Appleby unless Lou has some sort of goalie trade up his sleeve that he drops within the next 48 hours or so. I mean, I don't think people realize that it's it's not like Ken Appleby is going to come in and just be a sieve. Like, this he shouldn't is... be. Listen, I pointed out to, to some you know people on Twitter, there were like seven or eight instances of goalies who are similar to an Appleby situation, either limited or no NHL experience at all, who came in. And played serviceably. We ran into one of them earlier this year, right? Hunter Shepard from Washington. His first career start, I think, was against us, or that was his second career start. 38 saves on 39 shots. Hey, Florida we doesn't make the Kevin, playoffs Kevin last year without one of them. That was another one I was going to point out. Alex Line, about 20 or so NHL starts at the age of 30 before he goes on a miracle run and gets Florida into the playoffs with eight wins in nine games. People talk about so, how Bob Roski, people talk about how Bob got hot in the playoffs. And that's, they don't make the playoffs without Alex Lyon. I mean, yep. by the way, Jordan Binnington, you know, you want to talk about a team getting hot at the halfway park, right, in January and getting hot. Jordan Binnington started that season off as the fourth-string goalie for the Blues. Now, listen, I'm not saying Appleby is Sorokin or Varley, but these are all professionals. This is not like suddenly you're going from, you're not going from a professional NHL goalie to your beer league goalie. No. I mean, this isn't the uh, this isn't a, a situation where Carolina is relying on an e bug, right? It's not an about a guy who's been playing largely in the American Hockey League since he's been drafted. Has three NHL games. Yes, they were a while ago. A goalie with some pretty good size, decent numbers considering how bad Bridgeport's been this year. He's got an eight ninety seven when his counterpart's got an eight seventy six. Give him a shot. What do you have to lose? The discrepancy between, unless you have some highly touted prospect you drafted like Eskarov in Nashville or a similar type situation where you've got, you know, Devon Levi. I know he's back in the NHL now. Yeah, Buffalo. The difference between most teams' third-string goalies on any given night, so it's 90% of it is just going to be how the team plays in front of them and can you protect your goaltender. And then the other 10 to 15% is just about is that goalie on that? Night? Listen, I'm going to go even further, Phil, and maybe you'll call me crazy, and maybe everybody listening to this will think I'm crazy. The difference between starting goalies is minuscule. The difference between backup goalies is minuscule. I mean, you're just you're 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 pulling hairs. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people, including myself, just I I, I have a very hard time ever rationalizing giving any goalie a ton of term and a lot of money, just because. One year a guy's nine twenty one, and the next year is a nine thirteen, and the difference between that is like you know one shot hits the post and goes out, and one shot you know goes in. Um, a, a, a guy flails over and it hits the back of his uh, or it hits the knob of his uh, the knob of his stick right as they're going waffle side. Uh, there's just it's literally like three goals over a season maybe. It's just so random sometimes, um, and I'm not dismissing Sorokin. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Okay. Um, I do think he's being overused, and and I, and I question. I know Steph put an article out there. Hey, let's trade for a third goalie. What's the point? Lane's not going to use him, right? I mean, Lane didn't use. And everybody says, well, he doesn't trust Appleby. He didn't trust Varley. Yeah. What, what, what was the the stretch last year? You know this off the top of your head. I know you do. I think I think it was like twenty one of twenty three starts were given us a Rokin down the stretch last year, or something okay. crazy like that. I mean. Varley is is a, is basically a starter. He's starter caliber. He just happened to be our backup. Yep. And it never made sense. It never made sense what they did down the stretch last year. Even back to backs. There was a back to back with LA and Anaheim, and they gave Sorokin both of those starts. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Right. This is right. Even if we do make the playoffs, this guy's going to be exhausted. Yeah, and he was. He was exhausted. He was giving up goals that were very uncharacteristic. Uh, okay. So I I put a tweet out there, and I want to ask you. So I put a tweet out there. Uh, right before they lost to Pittsburgh before the new year. And I said, if they don't pull, if they don't win this game, I go, we, this could spiral out of control very quickly and very badly. I said, cause we go on a, a road trip from hell, Colorado, Arizona, golden Knights. Then we come home and it's Vancouver and Toronto. And I said, and we, could- by the way, we actually managed pretty okay on that trip. One, one in one for that, for those three games is, beautiful. is fine. Right. Yeah, They're absolutely beautiful. I agree with you. Um, then we come back and we lose to Vancouver 
tonight's game obviously will be a big thing. Hopefully you guys are listening to it before the game happens. Um, the one thing that I will say to fans, while there's risk that the season could theoretically spiral out of control, I think the East is so mediocre, or maybe parodies is the word I'm looking for. Um, and with the Devils' injuries, and Jack Hughes just got injured again, their injuries on defense, they're just as bad as we are on Yo, defense. Jonas Siegenthaler is going to be out, sounds like, six weeks with a broken foot. He's out. Dougie Hamilton is still out. Um, uh, Nemich looks like a player, but you're talking about you're still ta- you're relying on a lot of young defense. Pallad is out week to week. Yeah, Jack and, and Hughes out week to week as well. The Devils are in trouble. Um, and, they're in and trouble. Washington's terrible. There's just a lot of mediocrity in the East. So as yeah, long you don't as- have to have the concern that everyone's going to start running away, and you don't have a, you don't have a chance to grab any of the. No, this is not. This is not two years ago where right. This is not two years ago where you're looking at. Um, the trade deadline and you're 12, 14 points out. That's I think 92, I think 92 points probably gets you in this year. It should. Yeah. It should. So, um, and the Islanders are still, you know, in a playoff spot right now, despite losing four out of the last seven regulation. So uh, there, there's that side of it. One thing I wanted to ask you about is our defense, because there was a tweet somebody put out there that um, from an advanced analytics point of view and how many slot shots we allow and stuff and shots, our defense is actually worse than the San Jose Sharks. Uh, which is pretty amazing when you think about it because our defense was terrible, was, I mean, absolutely awful right before Trotz got here, right before Trotz and Lou got here. It was absolutely atrocious. It was the Most worst. Most goals allowed in the entire league. And everybody pointed, oh, it's our goaltending, right? Um, and then Trotz came in and just completely revamped the system, and suddenly we became the stingiest team in the league. It was just mm-hmm. like, you know, we turned Thomas Grice into a, a good goalie, theoretically. Uh, Leonard became, went from journeyman to, you know, a Vezina finalist. Yep. And then in just a year and a half, Lane has done this. Now, is this the defensive injuries? Is it his system? What's going on here? Because I, I maintain, and I, I know it's not sexy, but defense wins championships. It's not offense. It's defense yeah. that wins championships. Yeah, I, I, I'd say there's probably structural issues that are causing most of it. If you just look on paper, our blue line, especially now with Pellet back, it, it shouldn't be this bad. Right. And so much of it is on miscommunication, blown coverage, things that you pointed out before, forwards not being able to make smart decisions with the puck in terms of getting the puck out of the zone and relieving pressure. Earlier in the season, I mean, we were talking about these awful line changes that were happening, right? In that Devils game, that first goal that we gave up, um, you know, where they tied it 1 1. I know bad dumping uh, attempt by Riley, but. We had two, I think one or two forwards changing there and we had no one back. So I think systematically a lot needs to get cleaned up. I think the personnel, most of these guys are trots guys still. I think they're perfectly capable of playing clamp down defense. And we saw that in the second half of the year last year where they stylistically needed to change the way they played because Barzell went down. And even when they did that, they started scoring more goals, right? Limiting the chances against ultimately can create opportunity for you to you know, find more offense. Uh, the crazy the thing is with, the game. with this team's power play right now, and I don't think it's a fluke. I mean, this team's that we have all the ingredients that are needed to have a successful power play with this power play right now. I, I do think that if we clamp down on defense, we'd be good in this. And you look at the personnel and I, I think to your point is, is valid. You know, if healthy, you know, the left side of the left side of Romanoff, Pellick, Riley, the right side of, of Pollock, you know, Dobson, Dobson Mayfield. Mayfield. That's really good. I mean, especially if Aho suddenly is your seventh. Yeah, on paper, that's a good unit. Um, on paper, at least. Yeah, the game's not played on paper. They got to play better. Right, right. And, and, you know, to, you know, in fairness, we have not had that ever. We've never had that, that group. No. Um, and maybe that happens after the All-Star break. Certainly, I, I certainly hope it does. Um but it's concerning. My other concern, and I wanted to bring this up, was back-to-backs. And it was something I kind of vented about. Like, it felt like every time we had a back-to-back and we'd lose the second half of a back-to-back, it was like this built-in excuse. Like, oh, well, guys are tired. Okay, no big deal. Let's just go out there and go through the motions. And I, I, at this point, are we 0-7 on the second half of a back-to-back? We are 0-2-3. No, on this, uh, we are on the second half of back-to-backs? When, when we're on our second half of back-to-back. We're, we're 0-2-3. Two and three. So, okay. So we've got yeah. three points out of a pot of 10. Yep. Okay. And the thing that's alarming to me is I go, okay, 
I don't like the built-in excuse. I, these are professionals. They're all, you know, relatively young men. You know, playing two games in a row really shouldn't be that difficult. But the thing that, that's, that's alarming to me and concerning is that we don't seem to capitalize on other teams playing on the second half of a back-to-back. In fact, the Vancouver game, Vancouver game, that was their third game in four days. Yep. That was a third and four for Vancouver. We got their second goaltender, so we avoided Demko, who's having a great season. There was a game against Washington earlier this year where we were at home, and they had to travel to us. Although maybe they played at MSG the night before. I can't remember, but we lost that game in regulation to a team that was on a back-to-back. Pittsburgh as well. We went, we went to Seattle. We traveled, and they traveled that night. They played at Edmonton. We played at Vancouver. And we were both on a back-to-back, and we lost in a shootout. So I would say of all the games that we've had, that's probably the least problematic to me just because that game ends at a coin flip. But you're right. We haven't been able to we haven't been able to get back to the point where we were with Barry, where they didn't have the back-to-back excuse and winning almost every game. And we're not capitalizing when other teams are supposedly supposed to be coming into our building tired. Yeah, I mean, the, the Vancouver game didn't bother me as much in the sense that it's a younger team. And, okay, they're, they're a pretty good team. Um, I mean, obviously, there's other things that bother me, but... We only Pittsburgh, had 20 shots. No, no, it was a terrible That's game. That's a problem. No, no, I'm not going to dismiss the game, but the back-to-back thing didn't bother me as much as the Washington and oh, Pittsburgh. Oh, right, the Pittsburgh game where, well, where, we, where we lost 2-1. to one. Well, Yeah, 3-1 at, at the end. Uh, Empty but, net goal, yeah. Right. But the Pittsburgh game and the Washington games were a little bit more upsetting to me because you're talking about two older teams. Yeah. On a second half of a back-to-back that are beating us. Um, I just don't like the excuse. I feel like that was the one thing. And, and listen, Barry was not perfect, and, and I certainly criticized him at times during his tenure. But the one thing that I did like about his style was he just he never seemed to allow the players to have an excuse. Right. Like, no, no, you're a professional. Show up and play. It's not always going to work out. It was just a weird thing in that. Uh, let's talk about the lineup tonight. So uh, a tweet just went out. Let's uh, First of all, let's, let's set the stage for anybody who has no idea what you're talking about, uh, what they might see tonight, because this is fun. Suzekis is out, by the way. So, um, right. So he's, he's got the week-to-week designation, just so people understand. So Zeker is out. So obviously they called up a center from the AHL from Bridgeport, and they plugged him into the fourth <laughs> line. Everything is staying the same except that, right? Easy plug and play, yeah. Easy. Just, and just just to to set the you know what this means, day to day, in Islanders lingo is week to week. Week to week, Ooh. you may as well start planning that player's funeral. Like the best case week to week I've ever seen is Barzell week to week last year, and it only cost him two months. And it would have cost him longer if not for the fact that it was a playoff game that he came I think, back. Was it was Pelic just week to week with his broken wrist? Pelic was weeks. He's Wait, gonna what? miss weeks. Pollock two years ago when he broke his foot, was week to week. I think they said it was going to be like three to four weeks, but it was week to week. Yeah, and, and I think week we all saw I think they're, we all already, they're already digging his grave. They are planning their eulogies. We are Zeker's got a tremendously... cast on his foot, right? We know this. What? Zeker's got a cast on his foot, right? We know this. I would think so. Yeah. Kind of like similar to what happened with Pollock, right? Against Columbus, Pollock blocks a shot in the second period, could barely move, comes back in the third, plays on it because I guess they didn't take off the boot. And then he goes out at some point in the third. And then you realize like, oh, darn, this player is is injured. So if they're calling Zeger week to week, there's a decent chance we don't see him for at least six to eight weeks. And it's almost I like guess we'll players... come to the, we'll cover this soon. But there's a decent chance that they shut him down for the rest of the regular season, depending on what they might want to do from a trade standpoint. It's almost like players don't have the proper gear to stop NHL shots. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, okay, so Zeker's out. Uh, call somebody up, and it's an easy fix. Let's go, right? That's so is it Kyle McClain? Is it think... Kyle McClain or Otto Kovila? Who's it tonight? <laughs> you know, and I, like, you know what? Let me let me turn this Bridgeport game on and see what their lineup is, because I'm sure there's going to be someone missing. Obviously. And and I'm looking at the, you know, the, the lineup card. I'm like, all right, McClain's there. Ishikov's there. Pitto's there. Koivula's there. Like, wait a minute. I'm like, you know what? Maybe Casey's not I'm like, you know what? Bridgeport's playing with a full deck tonight. Maybe Casey's okay. And then he misses practice this morning, and there's no recall. And Dave, why don't you let, let's let's talk about the lineup decisions that have been made for tonight? Well, okay. So I'm gonna pull up my my other friends, Steph uh, Steph Rosner here. So the lines tonight. Let's see what we got. Well, 
Maybe this is just a fake out. Who knows? Maybe it's not the actual line, right? Is there a chance? No. Uh, Saying Lambert's case. playing head games with Keith, right? Keith looks at this lineup and says, all right, I see Horvat with Wallstrom and, and Lee. They're, those guys aren't going to get out of their own zone, so I don't need to focus on them. And then, like, boom, all of a sudden, Barzal's really there. Yeah, we have we have juggled the lines all here. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to try to pull this up here. So we've got, um, yeah, we've got Lee on the left side of Horvat, Wallstrom on the right. We have Nelson centering the second line like he always does. He's got Engvall on his left like normal, but instead of Palmieri, we're going to put Fashing there. Mm-hmm. And then we have Barzal centering Holmstrom and Kyle Palmieri. I will caution people, don't get too caught up on line one, line two, line three. Barzal's Those not... three lines are going to have relatively even ice time. Right. It's not like a demotion. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Pajot between Martin and Clutterbuck. Okay, so that line actually makes sense. I will tell you, actually, I don't hate the third... Okay, I, I was I actually tweeted out. I'm like, I hate that I like this third line. <laughs> I, I I don't hate, I hate it. that I like it. In fairness, okay, in in absolute fairness, I don't think this is as bad as people think it is. I think people let's go through look, it. Let's let's go through it. Let's and do then it. I will. I will let's give go. my commentary on what I would have done. Okay, fair enough. So the let's, bar, let's the talk top. about the one thing that I do like. Okay. Okay. Barzal between Holmstrom and Palmieri. You've got, you know, you've got some people who can skate. You've got some skill on that line. You've got a finisher on that line. And, and frankly, Palmieri has been bad as of late. Uh, you he and hasn't I, been finishing his chances. He's been getting a lot of chances, and he hasn't been finishing them. Yeah, and defensively, I think he's been lapsing a little bit. I, I just don't think he's... I, you and I talked about this. I don't know if we did it on the podcast or if we just talked privately. He looks a bit tired. I, I thought that he could have maybe benefited from a day off. The second line right. hasn't been very good over the last month, and I think a lot of that blame has gone to Engvall. And in my opinion, some of that blame should be going to Kyle Palmieri, to be honest Agreed. with you. Um, and, and I'm wondering if, you know, Palmieri with Barzal and Holmstrom, that's a line that may work. Um, all three of those guys could score. Yeah, and they can all right, Barzal's got Barzal's got 11, Holmstrom's got 11. You've got some. Got you've got some tenacious on that. You got some tenacious forechecking on that. You got some. You've got some grinding. You have got some shooters. You have got skating. skill, puck skill. I, I don't mind that line at all. Okay, let's move on. You said Pajot, Martin, Clutterbuck. Uh, okay. Fine. Okay. I, I mean, it, honestly, it, it listen. I'm a Pajot fan, and I and I do want to bring this up to people because some people. If I put a tweet out three years ago that I say I like Pajot, that doesn't mean that I still think Pajot is playing well today. Everybody. He's not playing well. No, he's not. And at five million, at five million, he's not earning his keep. Now, no. was he two years ago? Absolutely. Was he a was it a good trade? I still think it was a good trade. But right now, no, he's not been very good. And and maybe this is maybe this will help. Um, Nelson between Engvall and Fashing. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. Now, my problem with this line is I just don't think that Fashing fits anywhere in the top six ever. If I was going to make a switch to that line using one of the 13 forwards I have available, I would have put Wallstrom there. Stylistically, there are some similarities between Wallstrom and Palmieri's game where it's like, okay, here's an here's a spot that has been consistently Palmieri's all season. We haven't touched the second line. This is the third time we're going to touch the second line. The other times it was just because they scratched Engvall for whatever reasons. If I'm going to give Wally a fairer chance, let me put him on a line with two guys who skate really well, two guys who can get the puck to him in open space and see if maybe Wallstrom can be that other version of Palmieri where you got a guy with a good shot who, if he gets to open space, could score. I thought this would have been a better spot for Wallstrom tonight. That's not a bad, I said not a bad shot at all because Engvall, the, for all of you out there that hate Engvall, um, and hate his three million dollar contract. You realize that there are just there are just few players in the league who can skate with the puck and and, and enter zones. Um, it, it is it's it's difficult to enter the zone, the offensive zone, as a in the NHL or to exit your zone. And I, I don't want to point one thing out because people are like, well, Gauthier skates fast, like he could do it. If you watch the Vegas game and if you watch the game the other night, him trying to exit the zone with possession of the puck. He gets stripped and loses the puck so often. No, he is, it's why he's, he's a, just not a puck carrier. No, it's, he's, it's why he, he's a bottom six guy. Unfortunately, he's a chip ahead. and chase guy. Yeah, he's got listen. He's got speed. He has, He just does not have the hands, the puck skills. Correct. Um, and and Engvall does. I mean, Engvall. How many times do we see him get out of the zone, or skate in the zone, or circle back and find defensemen, or skate in the offensive zone and then turn toward the boards and find somebody else? They're just. 
it looks simple, but at the NHL level, it's not. Okay, it's reason right. why Barzal is so important on the power play, those zone entries, and and right, Engvall, so that's that would have been my fix there. I would have put but, Wallstrom there. Okay, fine. And then the third, the first line, you have Horvat between Lee and Wallstrom. So rest in peace, Horvat. Um, poor guy. <laughs> that's that's, yeah, that's I mean, a those very are like, slow line. Well, other than Martin, those are the two slowest skaters in the forward group. I would have gone back to what they did in Florida. If you remember in Florida, they went with a top line of Lee, Horvat, Gauthier, and they scored a couple goals. So I would have gone back to that. And then at least, I at least done... Gauthier, while Gauthier doesn't have the puck skill ability, the puck skills to he'll play get it on the first check early. He'll, and well, at least he can skate. At least they can skate with Horvat. Yeah, exactly. At least they can skate with him. You get a skater on that line, which is makes a lot more sense. So then, you, and then so, I would have gone with Fashing instead of Clutterbuck for tonight because Clutter needs a night off. Right, or take Martin off. Either way, give whichever one needs a day off. Clutterbuck. Martin. I thought Martin played pretty well the other night. I would. So you gone... slide Fashing to the fourth line, which makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, Fashing Pajot Martin as the fourth line for tonight. I'm fine with Again, that. I'm not going to like split hairs over the difference between Clutterbuck and Fashing right now, but I think that the first line would have made a lot more sense with Gauthier, and the second line would have made a lot more sense with Wallstrom. Lane's and never going to do that because that. he lost a PK guy. He'll never do that because he lost a PK guy, and he still he still thinks of Clutterbuck as a PK guy. Right. That's that's the only reason why he's in. You know, and it's and, and by the way, news 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 flash. Cal Clutterbuck plays in the PK. He's not a PK he guy. At it. He's terrible. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Now that I'm thinking about it, if Fashing slides to the fourth line, let Clutterbuck take a break, take a day off, put Wallstrom on the second line, put Gauthier on the first line. If you are intent on shaking things up, and by the way, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think shaking things up is a terrible thing. I don't think, I know some people are like, how could you split up Barzal and Horvat? Because you need a fourth center. And the other choice is calling up Kyle McClain. Or moving Engvall to the middle. Or moving Engvall to the middle, which does bring up an interesting point. So, I asked, I said, okay, well, does this indicate that Casey's only day-to-day? Right? And then Steph... The Islanders answered your question because the Islanders themselves said, no, he's week-to-week. Right. So, Steph has some interesting tweets here. Here. Changes to the lines have a lot to do with Sezikis being hurt and balancing the lines, but it's also being as a wake-up call after disappointing, a disappointing few games per the players. Makes sense. Okay, no problem with that. Asked, right, uh, they asked they asked Lane Lambert about a recall. Yeah, well, well, he first was, hey, why not just put Cal to the center? And Lane said, well, if it was a one-game thing, I could do that, but this is a multiple-game thing. Multiple-game thing, right. And if it's a multiple-game thing, my first question was, well, then why isn't he IR'd? And why hasn't Kyle mm-hmm. McClain called up? Yeah. Clearly not. We don't want Otto. No Otto. Say, just no, say, I mean, it, just again, say no to Otto Koibala. Right. You have to look at roles. And from a role standpoint, you need a speedy, four-checking centerman who could kill penalties and could pitch in a little bit, and that's Kyle McClain. Yeah. Otto, maybe maybe if I could have him up there just for shootouts, but that would be the only time I'd want him in there. Right, exactly. That'd be <laughs> nice. um, so the next question, and I asked Steph this, and he responded. I asked him, I said, well, why isn't he being put to IR? And Lane said, you would have to ask Lamorello about that. Let's talk about this. That sounds, I mean, maybe I'm reading into it. That sounds sassy. It does sound sassy. Now, is there a scenario that you could think of in your head where Lane (laughs) over the past night and a half, past day and a half, went to Lou and said, hey, all right, I'm down to 13 healthy forwards. Casey's going to be out a while. Um, I've been watching some Bridgeport games. Give me X player. Give me Kuhlman. Give me McLean. Give me Ishikov. He just got selected to the All-Star game. He looks cute and fancy. Let me have him. Do you think <laughs> there's a scenario in the world? <laughs> I'm sorry. Where... He looks cute and fancy? <laughs> he's five foot six. He's a guy. Yeah, I'm just guy. imagining kind of I'm imagining Lane. By the way, my, my kid, every time you watch a hockey game, my kid actually asks my 10-year-old, goes, why does, why does our coach always look angry? does always look angry. But do you anyway, think that there's a, a realistic scenario where Lane asked for a player and Lou's just like, nah, you got to go with the 13? Or is it that Lane feels that there's no one in Bridgeport right now who's better than the 13 that he has? I I'm, I mean, my read on it is Lane is looking at his roster and saying, yeah, there's no one in Bridgeport I'd rather have than these 13. Okay. Um, so you're, so you're of the opinion that I am just reading into it and this is just, you know, it is what it is. And 
but the I don't thing, know. But I don't know. but, so, it, so but I think it's weird though. Is why wouldn't he just say though? I like the thirteen we have. Like it seemed like it, right. uh, to me, it feels very throw the GM under the bus thingy. And and like again, maybe I'm reading into it. So here's a question to you: What are the odds? It was last January. Things were spiraling. We weren't playing well, and all of a sudden, under everyone's Christmas tree, one month later. Lou delivered Bo Horvat in a deal that shocked the NHL, right? Trade deadline came early. Christmas came late, but the trade deadline came early, and we got Bo Horvat and yeah, the rest and of it, history. It, it was weird. What are the odds yeah. that we're keeping that roster spot open because Lou is looking at this group and saying, they need something else in this lineup. They need an Adam Henrique, let's just say. And now a centerman just went down. And we can reasonably put this player on LTIR from now until the end of the season and sell it pretty well. What are the odds that Lou's working on a trade? And that's why there's no call-up. I find it hard to believe at this point. See, okay, the Horvat trade, when you first looked at it, was surprising to a lot of people because they're thinking, why, why would a team that's not a contender or at least locking the playoffs, make this big trade? Because everybody assumed Horvat would go to a contender. Right, but then you see Ratu in the trade, and you're like, okay, they must have an extension lined up because otherwise they wouldn't trade Ratu. Right, and it's it, this was a, no, Lou's not trade, he's not, Lou's, Lou's not making this trade for now. He's making this trade for the next six, seven years. Right. Uh, he just happened to be making the trade now rather than the summer. Okay. Part of me feels like with the team as mediocre as it's been, is Lou going to go... I, I see. I think Lou only goes for rentals when he thinks he can win. And I think, like, to make... To trade a first-round pick for Romanoff, that made a ton of sense. You just locked up a 23-year-old, 22-year-old defenseman at the time, now 24. You know, Bo Horvat, still young. You lock, you lock up, you know, a number one, uh, a 200-foot... Dependable center. You just locked him up now. Those guys don't grow on trees. Awesome. We just got a center. I can move Barzal to the wing. This is amazing. I, I don't... I, Lou does not strike me as the kind of guy, and, and if you look at his history, who rents a player in a year unless he thinks he can win. And unless Lou is delusional, and I don't think we've... We, we've never seen that, right? I, I don't think he can see this roster right now and the inconsistencies that we have seen over the last three months, really, throughout the entire season, and go, yeah... We've got a winner right now. Now, listen, if, if the Islanders won nine of their next 10, if let's say Pelic comes back and that shores everything up defensively and they win nine of their next 10, yeah, that's a different story. But right now, do we really think yeah, a rental's I mean, in the mix? I'm just, thinking, I'm just thinking in the sense of, I don't think he's going to trade the first round pick this year because I don't know that there's any trade to be made where you're dealing a first round pick that makes sense. When he does that, it's for a player who he's going to sign long term. And just given their cat picture right now, I don't know that they're able to do that. But if you're looking at trade options right now that make sense, right? A team like the Ducks, they're already out of it. We were talking about players on teams like the Kraken or teams like Pittsburgh, but those teams have like stayed around in the playoff race to the point where no one's going to be waving the white flag considering how close the standings are until they get to that point. The Ducks are, have already signaled that they're open for business right now. Trevor Zegers on the, on the block? <laughs> well, he's injured now, so he's going to have to remain off the block for a bit. It could also be that they're keeping this roster spot open because they've been in touch with Zach Parise, and maybe Parise is going to be back. That's, that's also a definite possibility. It's just I don't see them keeping Barzal and Horvat split up for the next six weeks. I don't see that happening. That would... I think this is a one- or two-night thing, Max. They'll get back to the mostly regular. So the question is: is it, So is it more of a two? Do we go out and get a Kyle? Do we call up Kyle McLean or Otto? Do we go out and acquire a, 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 another Bortuzzo who just happens to play center, right? Or do we make a bigger flash? What what is a Bortuzzo that plays center? Do you have <laughs> what name is that? Um, uh, what about the guy in? Uh, okay, I'll throw somebody at you. Um, Calgary. Hold on. Hang on a second. Elias Lindholm is not no. a board. I know that's yeah. what you're talking about. Not I just want to take a look at like next year's UFA centers. Like the one that comes to mind, obviously, is Henrik, because he probably shouldn't cost you a first round pick. If he does, then you're doing something wrong. I'm just looking at centers who are middle to bottom of the lineup on bad teams. Jason Dickinson. 
from Chicago is one. Right? Maybe you call. Well, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I honestly, I off the top of my head, there was somebody I had in my in my mind, but I can't I can't remember who I was thinking about. Colin but... Blackwell. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, there comes a point where he's on Chicago, right? There comes a point where it's there just comes like Chicago needs a player. They just need they or, can't need or bodies. Just, or, no, I mean for our purposes, like just play Kyle McLean. Right at that point, just play Kyle McLean. No, I'm chance. with you on that. Um, I, I mean, I guess that's the the thought process though. Is I mean, maybe is there somebody in San Jose? Trying to think of the teams that are actually on an expiring contract in San Jose. I don't, I don't know. And I guess it doesn't need to be right. If if you do want to keep Barzell and Horvat split up and say, you know what, we're going to utilize our great center depth. We're going to go with Horvat, Nelson, Barzell, Pacho down the middle. That's that's really great one through four center depth right there. And, and it's always something now. Add... Our fourth line center is making five million per. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's temporary. Our third line center is making nine point one five million. <laughs> Fair enough. We've yeah, got no, very I, cheap wingers. We're very cheap on the wing, though. Yeah, I, I listen. I I get where you're going. Um, Lou does not strike me as the kind of pl- kind of GM who rents when unless he thinks he can win that year. Um, right. I, I think he likes to trade for players that he can re-sign uh, and, and use for at least a few years, and that's the, that's what we have seen in the past. Um, so I I don't know what the thing is to me. When I read that tweet, I felt like, is there some unrest? Is everything hunky-dory with, with Lou and, and Lane? Because it's the first time I've ever seen Lane kind of just throw it like, hey, if you have a question about that, you better ask Lamorello. And right. not just like, it felt like it, they weren't on this unified front. And again, I know I've said this a million times already. I might be reading into it. I don't know. I have no inside information on this, but it just feels like the first time I've ever heard them having like, hey, I don't have an answer for you. Go ask that guy. Right. Seems a little bit sassy. So. Um, how, how long are these lines going to last tonight? What's your, what's your, Two I know, shifts, you tweeted, shifts, I was going to say. One period. <laughs> I mean, listen, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Islanders won tonight. That's would it how shock these you? usually go, right? Exactly. Right? Would it, it shock that, you? That game against Florida, right? Barzal's sick. Everyone's like, oh, no, Barzal's sick. It's going to, our top line's going to be Lee, Horvat, and Wallstrom. And then, like, 20 minutes into that game, they switched Wallstrom and Gauthier, and then they scored a couple goals, and we won. The randomness shit happens when you least expect it, and that's why we could potentially win tonight. I mean, listen, the way our power play is going right now, you know, if you get a couple power play goals and you play well defensively, you know, you could win a game. It's It's not... It's just, it's not inconceivable. Um, how long the NHL? I mean, Columbus has beaten Toronto in two out of their last three matchups. Like, if Columbus could beat Toronto, we could beat Toronto. We just beat Toronto. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Hey, what have you thought of Ajo since he's been back? He's been back about, what, 10 games now? He has been terrible. Yeah. It's disappointing because I always hated the player. And then in the second half of last year, I thought he really stepped up and was a solid contributor. He was not only putting up points, but I thought he was better defensively. I thought he moved the puck pretty well on the back end. And I said before the season, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. Aho, 40 points. 40 points for Aho this year. He's going to be great. And for me, it's not even about the point production. Like, yeah, he only has five points in 31 games. I think defensively, he's been a disaster. He hasn't been transitioning the puck well at all. He looks slow. He, you know, he, he, doesn't look like he's skating at the same speed that he was in in previous seasons. It's he's been he's been dis- a disappointment for a player who I thought was starting to show some signs of growth last year. Even in the playoffs, I didn't think he was terrible. There were some games where I'm like, "Wow, Aho's one of our better defensemen tonight against Carolina." Listen, he can skate, and he he can skate. I feel like Riley's emergence on this team has kind of made him irrelevant because we don't need sure. him for power play two anymore. Um, Riley can move the puck well. Dobson can skate the puck up well. I, I, and I just think Aho just doesn't have a place anymore because he doesn't really help us out on the power play. Uh, he's too much of a liability in his own zone. Uh, I've said this before. I said for a grown man, I just don't understand how he gets thrown around so much. You, know, yeah, you see a lot of small. yeah. You see a lot of young yeah. But you see a lot of young defensemen come in the league and get thrown around when they're 19, 20, even 21, 22 years old because they haven't put on that you know the man muscle yet. Oh, is what, 27 now? 28 years old? 27, yeah. Like, 
go, dude, go hit the friggin' gym. I, I just don't understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And today, mm-hmm. you want to be a defenseman in the NHL, you just can't get thrown around like that. He, he just gets bodied off too much. Um, dare I say, I mean, would, would you rather see Bolduck in the lineup? Would you rather Ooh, see, would I rather see Grant, Ajo's, would I rather see Grant Hutton? On his right side. Would I rather see Hutton's Grant Hutton in, in the lineup then? He's injured. Hutton's injured. Okay, if he's healthy. Let's just assume all these yeah, guys are Yeah, if out. he was healthy, I would take Hutton. It's oh, funny, right. the Islanders have seven right-handed defensemen under contract. Seven. They only have three who are healthy. The only three who are healthy are Mayfield, Dobson, and Aiden Folk. Okay. Right? And Pollock, Bertuzzo, Hutton, and Ledoux all injured. So, anyway. not a lot of right-side depth right now. But yeah, in, in, in a situation where Hutton was available, I think I would take him. Like a, a Hutton-Riley pair would would probably look better than Aho Riley right now. Well, let's talk about the next few games really quick before we uh, put a bow on this. Uh, we got Toronto in just an hour or so, uh, a couple hours. Um, then we're we're on the road. Then it's uh, I don't, I don't want to say, but it's, it's not a very tough road trip. It, well, should, really, it, I mean, at Nashville, we haven't won, in, we haven't beaten Nashville in like eleven years. I know, but the, you know what we're due, and they're playing terribly. We're due. I want to win in. I want to win in Nashville. Give me Phil's, a win in Nashville. Phil's analysis. We're due. We're due. We're due in that city. Yeah, Put yeah. me down for a win in Nashville. We are my, winning. My best in- friend. My best friend went to Atlantic City when he was twenty-one years old, and I still remember him looking up at the friggin' roulette wheel, and he black saw, and, red, right? and he saw he like thir- he saw thirteen reds in a row. And he goes, "It's got to be black. It's got to be black, right?" Yeah. Okay. At Minnesota, they've been playing better. No, they um, haven't been. They're one in seven in their last eight, I think. Um, Vegas is out. Vegas is on a losing streak, and then they played us. So, right, but Vegas was not missing Eichel. If Vegas was Good missing point, Eichel that point. game, we win. They that were game. missing Shea Theodore. Um, sure, but I think that Minnesota, in addition to missing and Will Car- and by the way, and Vegas was missing Carlson too. Will Car- right, but aren't they also missing? Um, the defenseman. What's the good defenseman of Minnesota? Spurgeon. I think Spurgeon's out too. Yeah, Brock Faber plays thirty-eight minutes a game. Right. Uh, there's your new yeah, Cal, you should, your Cal you should beat Minnesota. No, you got to beat that. You you got to beat Minnesota. Okay, you have to because you have Winnipeg. The next night, yeah. I mean, Winnipeg's the best team in the league right now. Number one, number one overall. I'm just I'm just pointing out the next seven games. Okay, you try to be as objective as you can, and that's the one thing I'll always say you are. Okay, so let's start with tonight. Toronto tonight, loss. Okay, at Nashville, win. Okay, I'm saying loss at Minnesota. I'll give us a win. Win. Okay, at Winnipeg, loss. At Chicago. Win. Versus, at home versus Dallas. Overtime loss. <laughs> home versus Vegas again. Win. I mean, that's a stretch, though. I think, Another we, tough I think stretch. we play Vegas well. I know it's, They're a tough team, but I think we play them well generally. And I don't think they've ever swept us. Again, not to use historical precedent for anything, but I thought we matched up well against them in that game we played them. Put me down for a win against Vegas. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting because you know the next nine games... We Keep have going. nine There's games. A couple before, more before the All Star break, right? We have Montreal, then Florida. Montreal at give me, Montreal. Give me a win. Give me a win at Montreal. Give me and then a, home versus Florida. Give me an overtime loss against Florida. If you're Lou and they do what you just said, are you adding? Then I mean, probably because I have them doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have what five, five, two and two over there. That'd be okay. Okay. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us. As always, if you have any questions, feel free. Uh, tweet us at Phil's Facts at Talk on Sports. Use the hashtag, the red line, so we can get to your questions. We do this each and every week. We talk about hockey, obviously, mostly Islanders hockey. And uh, that is going to do it for us. Let's go.